Gary, thank you so much for sharing. I have always appreciated your passion, your love for Jesus, your love and heart for people, you and Annetta. And I'd like us just to pray right now before we start sharing uh, the rest of what I have to say. So, Lord, our, our hearts are broken for our brothers and sisters, for our family in uh, the Ukraine. And, uh, Lord, we, we thank you for your mercy, your presence. We thank you for what you're doing there. We thank you that people are turning to Jesus and sharing Jesus. We're grateful for all of that. We ask you to help us here, to help us pray, alert us to pray, teach us how to pray, uh, release uh, uh, giving, release a spirit of generosity among us that we can support those who have uh, been displaced and are in other nations. Uh, we thank you for Gary and Inetta and so many that are serving, and we pray you'd give them encouragement and courage and power and wisdom and everything they need. We thank you that you love us, Lord, and that you have what we need, and we thank you uh, one great day uh, there will be no more wars and, and uh, pains like this. But we're not there yet. So help us to be faithful. And thank you that you've come, Holy Spirit, to empower us to be faithful right now in the world we live in. We ask that you come and meet us now as we uh, look at the Bible. Would you encourage us? Would you speak to us? Would you stir us as your people? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, for those of you that I haven't had the chance to meet yet, I'm John. I'm one of your retired pastors, and I'm glad to be here with you and part of this wonderful community. Uh, Jeff uh, Connor did the, the concluding message of our series on the Psalms last week, did a great job. Um, I told Jeff this, I'll just say it out loud to you too. I felt like there was a new anointing, a new confidence, a new sense of the presence of God on Jeff uh, last Sunday. And I think that's directly related to the fact that we had prayed and laid hands on him to ordain him as, as the refuge vineyard will begin to gather. And uh, so uh, I appreciate you continuing to pray for them as well. So he shared the last message on the Psalms where we talked about how we can connect with God and experience his help as we walk through the challenges of life together. Now today we're celebrating Pentecost. Can I hear a yay, Pentecost? Pentecost is the day when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower ordinary people like you and me so that we could serve and continue his great work in the world. Now, I became interested in the Holy Spirit when I was in college. I had just come to, to faith in Jesus and had begun to read the Bible for the first time in my life. And so when I read the stories of Jesus, I noticed that Jesus seemed to have this close connection to this Holy Spirit character. Uh, and uh, I asked my friends, what does that mean? And they didn't really know. And they said, why don't you find out for all of us? So <laughs> it's been a kind of a lifelong journey of mine to get to know God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I did discover on the way that if you read the book of Acts, you just, Jesus, to my utter amazement and great joy, he wanted to send the same Spirit to us to give us the same power he had that we could serve. So we're not on our own alone doing this. We have him with us. And, you know, Jesus said that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would lead us into all the truth, the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done, and the truth about who we are and what we are called to do as his followers. 
And I, I still remember a message my wonderful wife Sue preached about 20 years ago in the old building where we met under the beer stube, and it was titled, The Holy Spirit, The Great Connector. How the Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus, connects us to his people, connects us to his mission. And I told her, that was such a wonderful message, and that's really all I remember. Anyway, uh, probably like many of you, if you can get one sentence out of this or paragraph, that would be great. Uh, so, uh, we, I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit has come. Now, this past year, uh, I have found a new resource to me called the Bible project.com that is full of amazing videos to introduce books of the Bible, theme, great themes of the Bible, great movements and scriptures. And so I want to introduce it to you today by showing you just a three-minute video on Pentecost that I think really grasps the significance of Pentecost well. So here's the video. One of the earliest accounts about Jesus of Nazareth, his life, death, and resurrection, was written by a man named Luke. We know it as the Gospel of Luke, but Luke continued the story in a second volume. Called the Book of Acts, and it's all about what Jesus continued to do after his resurrection. Acts begins with the disciples who are hanging out with Jesus, who's just come back to life, which is mind-blowing to imagine. And then for weeks, the risen Jesus kept teaching them about his upside-down kingdom, the new creation that he launched through his death and resurrection. This is exciting stuff, and the disciples are ready to go tell the world. But then Jesus tells them to wait and to stay in Jerusalem until they receive a new kind of power so they can be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his kingdom. Then he says that their mission is going to begin in Jerusalem, then move out to Judea and Samaria, and then from there out into the nations. It's like a road map for the whole book of Acts. Then the disciples saw Jesus enthroned as king of all creation. So the disciples wait, wondering when this power is gonna come. And then comes the time of Pentecost. So this is an ancient Israelite festival. It's during the early summer, and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world, all these different languages and cultures colliding in the city. And the disciples are together in a house, which is suddenly filled with rushing wind along with fire. Fire splinters off into tongues of fire hovering over people's heads. What's this all about? Yeah, so Luke is tapping into a repeated Old Testament theme. When God's presence showed up similarly at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments. Then later, when God's glory came in a pillar of fire, it filled the tabernacle when he came to live among them. But that was just one pillar of fire, not many. Exactly. Luke's making an important point here. This is God's personal temple presence, God's spirit that was foretold by Israel's prophets. And now it's come to take up residence in the new temple of Jesus' body, that is, his people. They've become little mobile temples where God now dwells. And they start to tell stories about Jesus, but they're speaking in languages that they didn't know before, yet all the visitors can understand them. What's this all about? Well, Peter gets up to explain that this is the fulfillment of Israel's hopes based on the scriptures. God's plan was always to use the unified family of Abraham to bring peace and justice to the world. But the tribes of Israel had been scattered because of the exile. Now here at Pentecost, representatives from all of the tribes come back together and they're introduced to their Messiah, the crucified and risen Jesus, so they can now become the restored people of Israel. And thousands of them start following the way of Jesus. Which brings us to Luke's tale of two temples. So you've got the temple that Herod built in Jerusalem where Jesus' disciples worship like the rest of the Israelites. But now there's also Jesus' temple which consists of people. 
This temple's meeting together in homes all over Jerusalem, and they were approaching life in a radical new way. Right, think about it. Many of these pilgrims aren't even from Jerusalem, so they formed these new families, and they're all depending on each other. Yeah, people would sell their stuff, provide for the poor among them. They ate their meals together. They said their daily prayers together. They were learning from the apostles what it meant to live as if Jesus is the true king of the world. And it must have been exhilarating. But it wasn't all fun and games. Okay, you can catch the next three minutes if you go to thebibleproject.com and look for the video on Pentecost. The whole book of Acts is there, and I personally have found it really helpful this year. As when I'm starting to read a book of the Bible, I'll often go to the Bible Project and watch the little video. And it amazes me how Tim McKee and, and John somebody or other uh, <laughs> interact and it can explain a whole book like in about four or five minutes. Now, the book of Ezekiel, which is what I'm reading right now, they have two videos on that. That's a little long. It takes 10 minutes to do that, that whole one. But I'd encourage you to give it a try, and I think it could be helpful. I'd also encourage you to read the whole story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Now, this morning, I want to explore three things that the Holy Spirit has come to do that have been so helpful to me over the 50-plus years I followed Jesus, and they have been especially helpful to me these last few years uh, when we've had all a worldwide pandemic and a lot of isolation, a lot of polarization in the world, and just many challenges. So I'm going to tell you the three, and then we'll, we'll, we'll look at them one by one. The Holy Spirit's come to form us into a new family made up of many communities of disciples. So River Heights Vineyard is one of those communities. Lavinia Inver is one. Refuge Vineyard is one. The churches in Ukraine are communities of disciples. We're all part of one great worldwide multinational family. The Holy Spirit, number two, has come to assure you and I, as members of God's family, that we are his dearly loved children. And three... The Holy Spirit's come to give us a confident hope, a rock-solid hope that can help us as we walk through the pain and suffering that happens in a broken world. So, number one, the Holy Spirit forms us into a new family. Now, in that video, Tim McKee describes you and I as little mobile temples. Have you ever thought of yourself as a little mobile temple? Uh, I, I hadn't. Gary, you, you realize you're a little, little mobile temple? Yeah, well, you are. You're filled with the presence of God. Interesting. Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. That's individually. And in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, together we are the temple of God. The, the Holy Spirit dwells with us. Wasn't it cool that when that video described this, this powerful rushing wind blows through, because, you know, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's like the wind. You don't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind as the wind moves and does things. And fire is a common symbol of the Holy Spirit to purify us, to warm us, to gather us together like around a campfire. But interestingly, so fire hit that room, so it meant that the fire was for the whole community, but then it separated and was resting over each of their heads. I don't know. Would you have been a little scared if you were in that room? 
Like, ah, fire, and ah, it's coming over my head, and so on. Uh, well, it didn't, didn't burn anybody's hair or anything, but it was there to empower. So the point is that each one of us can be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just one time, but over and over and over. Because if you read the book of Acts, so they were filled then, but if you read into Acts 3 and 4, uh, as Peter is preaching the gospel, he's filled again with the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 4, when they're told to never preach in this name again, they come back and they pray, and the, all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit again. So this is a, a, an experience that is to be repeated over and over and over the whole of your life. So for Sue and I, we're now the ripe old age of 72. We get to be filled with the Holy Spirit in our 70s. It's an awesome thing. And so today, you can experience the Holy Spirit. And the interesting thing I've experienced is each time I experience the Holy Spirit, it, I'm like enlarged within so that the next time I can receive more or a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, like Gary and I talked, known each other 28 years. Now we don't live in the same country regularly, so we see each other sporadically, but we always are able to get to the most important things right away, Right? That's what good friends do. So you can have a friendship with the Holy Spirit that will grow and develop where you have more and more experiences with the Holy Spirit at different seasons of your life. So I want to encourage you. I'm trying to, my big point today is to try to build a hunger and a longing in you for a friendship with the Holy Spirit that will cover the whole of your life. Can I encourage you? That is the, that's the prayer I would love for you to pray for River Heights. That's the, kind of the central prayer we've played, prayed the whole time. We've sprayed and pr played and prayed. Ah, anyway, uh, is that the Holy Spirit would come and fill all of us. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings to you and through you everything you actually need. Okay? All right, so we're little mobile temples. I think... Uh, that means we can carry the presence of God everywhere we go. When the, whether we're going to work, going to school, seeing our neighbors, doing our recreation, going to the store. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've had this experience and I have this recurring dream, dream of, of talking to people about Jesus and praying for them at Walgreens, Walmart, I've actually done it at Walmart. When I was part of Sockham, kind of fear and trembling, we had to go out, you know, and I was a leader, so I had to do it too. So I remember going to Walmart and walking down and praying, oh, Jesus, help me to find a really kind person that will talk to me, you know. Uh, pastors are just full of faith and boldness all the time. <laughs> so I found this lady, and I said, you know, hey, I'm here on a class project. I wonder if you could help me. Well, sure, what do you have to do? Well, I'm supposed to find people and ask them if I could pray for them. And I said, is there anything that I could pray for for you? And she said, that is so wonderful you asked. My children and I have just moved to this town. We don't know anybody. Uh, they, they're, trying, they're, they're thinking about school and what that's going to be like. I'm thinking about work and neighbors. I'd love it if you'd pray for that. And I was like so stunned. I didn't know what to do right away. And she said, uh, you are going to pray? I said, absolutely, I'm going to pray right now. <laughs> oh, God is funny, isn't he? Uh, he just arranges things. But you know, you are a mobile temple. The Holy Spirit's in you, and he can empower you to do good 
and to say good words, to bring encouragement to people. And uh, I would encourage you, reach out to the Holy Spirit each day. Ask him to fill you with his love and kindness and mercy. And uh, and who knows what great adventure you'll have that day. Peter helps us understand this in 1 Peter 2. He says this, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. We're like God's building blocks. Jesus is the foundation of the temple, but we're like building blocks. We're God's building material. (laughs) Uh, You ever wonder? God, might have been good if he had picked somebody a little better than me. But God said, no, you're just fine. You're just fine. I love you, and I'm going to work with you. We're living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that we are carefully joined together. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Isn't it wonderful that we can live our lives in such a way to what we say and do that we can please God? I know growing up, I wanted to make my family proud of me. Uh, I didn't always. I had the opposite effect sometimes with what I did. But I wanted that. Well, God is so pleased with you. Now, here are some things that we can do that are are spiritual sacrifices. We can worship with music like we just did. Thank you, Justin and team, for leading us. We can worship with our whole lives. We can generously give our resources to God's work here and around the world in the Ukraine. And by the way, I would encourage you to give to the Ukraine. There's on the PushPay app, there's a, if you go to the drop-down menu, there's one for Ukraine refugee donations. And if you give to that, I, I did it while Jeff was talking on, on my trusty phone. And that money then we will, we will release to, to Gary to do good work in the Ukraine. But we can generously give, and we can serve God with our gifts. Peter goes on. You're a chosen people. Uh, I, uh, I uh, had the privilege of coaching nine-year-old basketball with my grandson, Charlie, and his dad, Brad. And uh, it was an extraordinary adventure in all the meaning of those words. Uh, and <laughs> at the end of the year, uh, a, a little, wonderful little young boy who has been living here 15 years, he's from Uganda, and he said to me, Coach, did you choose us? And I thought, oh, we did. And he had this big smile. He says, are you going to coach again next year? And I said, ah, next year is a long time away from now. You know, we'll see about next year. But, you know, he was so thrilled that he was chosen. Aren't you glad to be chosen? I grew up in an educator's family, and we moved around a lot, and so I had to make new friends every time, which served me really well for being in the church, but I didn't like it. And I remember the first time I, was, I moved from North Dakota to Minnesota, and they were choosing up for a baseball game. And I knew I was good, but nobody else did. And so I'm the last one chosen, and I got chosen this way. The guy says, uh, I guess we'll take you. Now, I got a hit, and I made a catch, and he said, I'm glad we chose you. I said, yeah, right. (laughs) Anyway, but, you know, there's this built-in longing in our hearts to be chosen, isn't there? To belong, to be part of something. Well, God's put that in your heart, and the Holy Spirit has come to, to call you in to the people of God because, guess what? You need the people of God. 
guess what? The people of God need you and who you are. All right. He says, you are a chosen people, you're a royal priest, you're a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. I don't know if you can still remember the darkness before you knew Christ. I still can. I don't ever actually want to forget it. But I'm so grateful I've been called out of that into God's wonderful light. We can show the goodness of God now with our lives and our words and our actions everywhere we go. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you'd received no mercy, now you have received mercy. Isn't mercy wonderful? I was thinking of my mom here because my mom sadly uh, suffered a, uh, sexual abuse when she was in her early 20s as a nurse in Minneapolis and carried the shame of that for 60 years. Uh, and at 88, she comes out with her walker one day with a serious look on her face, I have to tell you something before I die. And she told me the whole story and it was like, ah, oh, mom. And it made sense to us of our family and the challenges that she had gone through and we had gone through. And the more she told her story, the more and more Jesus broke the shame. She was a victim. She didn't ask for it. But God in his mercy set her free. So at 88, I saw this wonderful smile on my mom's face that she was free. I'm so grateful to Jesus. So you can experience mercy from, for whatever has happened in your life. Jesus can set you free. When I pray for people and I'm up front often and they need healing in a certain area, I will ask for, let your mercy fall. Let your mercy come on them. And I'm, I'm thinking of Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus in the Bible, uh, who when Jesus was walking by, he screamed out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what he meant was, I would like my eyes to work. Have mercy on me. So it's a great prayer to pray when you don't really know how to pray for anything else for someone. Oh, Lord, let your mercy fall. Let your mercy come on them. Let your healing mercy come. That's available to you today. You know, you might have been having a hard week or a hard month or a hard few years. Well, there's mercy for us. We can share it with each other. We can do good. We can speak up for those who are most vulnerable and can't speak up for themselves. We can pray and work for justice and freedom for those who are oppressed. And we can share the mercy of God with each other. Now, I want to I'm going to encourage you today to love the church like Jesus loves the church. I'm not naive. I've been in the church 50 plus years. I know that not everybody's had a good experience in the church. I know, in fact, that some have had a very bad experience with church leaders. It breaks my heart when I read things in the news about some of the abuse that's taken place in a variety of contexts. The Hillsong Group of Churches, the Southern Baptist Convention, as, as now we're uncovering 700 pastors and leaders have done a variety of abusive things. Uh, I'm sad when I read those things. And I realize that some people are having a hard time trusting the church and rebuilding their relationship with the church. I would just say to you that in the midst of all of that, maybe that's you, and if it is, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching online. I believe God is at work in the church. I believe he is the one uncovering abuse and, and caring for victims and convicting and cleansing the church and awakening and transforming 
the lives of broken people like me, like you, every single day. Now, I love the church because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all love the church. Now, they don't always love everything we say and do. Do you think God loves everything you say and do? I know he doesn't love everything I say and do. I try to to respond to him, but he loves us so much and he helps us change. I mean, he sent Jesus to build his church. Jesus died and rose for the church. Jesus is enthroned as head over the church. And by the way, where did Jesus send the Holy Spirit? To the church. To the 120 that were gathered there. And there's a, a, the Holy Spirit will come on each one of us, but it's wonderful what he does in the context of a community. Jesus loves the church. So I want to encourage you today and challenge you to love the church like Jesus did. Everything I've ever learned about Jesus, about following him, I've learned from the church. Someone in the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to love the church. And you can do that all kinds of ways. You could, by coming, you're loving the church. Uh, joining a, a summer life group. That'd be a great way. Finding a place to serve. So the Holy Spirit's come to form a people, to form the church. Secondly, he's come to assure us that we are God's dearly loved children. Romans 8, 14 to 17, Paul says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you've not received a spirit that would make you a fearful slave. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to give you fear or make you afraid. He comes to take it away, to break the power of fear. So if fear has been a reality in your life that's controlled you, as it had been in mine, you can be set free. We'd love to pray for you today. But no, we have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. It's interesting to me when I gave my life to Jesus. Before giving my life to Jesus, I hardly ever prayed. And it was always, Lord, oh, help my parents be sleeping when I get home too late, or help this police officer not give me a ticket while I'm speeding. Uh, and amazingly, those prayers were usually answered. God is so full of mercy. But when I, after I came to Jesus, then I began to talk to God as my father and to my Lord Jesus. So because he, it, we, now we call him Abba Father, and the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we really are children of God. So the Holy Spirit does a work in us to like solidify that, make that real, help us know that deep inside. Since we're his children, we're his heirs, and together with Christ, we're heirs of his glory. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Uh, but he gives us hope to walk through times of suffering. Now, you and I were made to experience the love of God and the love of other people and to love God back and love other people back. And I, uh, I don't know about you, but I am the best version of myself when I am in touch with the love of God for me. Because then I'm not running around trying to kind of get it from, from all kinds of other places. I'm secure. I'm confident that God loves me. Romans 5.5 5 says, Our hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Uh, 
I'll say this now. I'll repeat it when I give the tips in a minute or two. But I would encourage you this week, why don't you try this? Every day this week, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with God's love. Now, you can do it more than one time a day, if, honestly, if you want to. You could do it in the morning, you could do it at night, you could do it at noon. But I would encourage you, ask him to fill you with God's love for you. And then see how the week goes. One of the things I love to pray for when I pray for people on the sides is for the Holy Spirit to pour his love. Now, I will always pray for what you ask me to pray for, okay? We, that's our training. We pray for what you want. But often then the Holy Spirit will say, well, add this on. Pray this too. I'd really like to do this in their life. And so we pray that. In fact, I'm going to pray for us right now for the love of God. I don't know how many of you, if, you, if you're sensing, boy, I could really use a new touch of the love of God for my life. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you love us. And we, I ask, Holy Spirit, would you come now and fill our hearts with your love? Make your love real to us in the ways that we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit gives us hope as we walk through times of pain and suffering. Tim Keller in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, says this. This, is all, this has helped me. Jesus became like us in his suffering. We become like him in ours. Because Jesus' suffering was meaningful, none of our suffering is ever meaningless. Okay? It still hurts. I'm not saying that makes it like go away. No, it hurts. But it's not meaningless anymore because God works with it to do something. You're going to see the longer passage from Romans 8, 18 to 28 come up. I'm not going to read it for time's sake. I'm just going to say in this passage, Paul is talking about how the Holy Spirit comes to help us in our weakness. There's three groups of people that groan. You can see them up here. First of all, all creation groans as it's longing for its full restoration. I drove through New Mexico this last summer for the first time in my life. Thankfully, I was driving through before all the forest fires were raging. They have never seen such fires in New Mexico. Uh, because of the steadily warming environment, fires are more intense and last longer. Storms are more intense. So that's part of creation groaning. Uh, we have a little cardinal that has adopted our tree by our, uh, in our, right by one of our windows, and every morning... Uh, I've, I've named him Carl. Uh, Carl will come, and he'll eat, and then he'll bash his head against the window. And I didn't know, what the heck is he doing? Jim Kelgren told me, well, he's seeing his reflection in the window, and he thinks it's another cardinal, and cardinals are very territorial. So he's trying to get rid of that other cardinal, which is him. I just think it's, like, so funny. Uh, Carl's groaning. Sometimes he hits himself really hard on our window pane. Carl's groaning. One great day, Carl will be the, like, most perfect cardinal you can imagine. All right, so creation's groaning. But it's groaning with eager hope. Isaiah 55 says, When Jesus comes to restore all things, we will be led out with joy and peace, and all the trees will clap their hands. I actually picture them clapping their branches together, and they'll sing for joy. Would you be excited hearing some singing from trees? I, I, think it's not, I think it's more than a metaphor. I think it's like probably literally going to happen. So creation is groaning with hope. You and I are groaning also with hope. And we're longing to be set free from sin and suffering. 
Are you looking forward to a time where you don't have any foolish, dare I say stupid thoughts, or say any foolish or stupid words? I am. I'm really excited for that day when my default is only good all the time. Now, it's getting better. My default is getting better over the years, but it's still not like perfect, right? But one day it will be. And then we'll be set free from suffering too. I, I think of my dad in this. That I, I had a conversation with my dad. It turned out to be five days before he died. Neither of us knew he was going to die then, but he did. And he said, I'm so looking forward to heaven, John. He said, I said, well, tell me about that, Dad. He said, well, I'll get to be with my mom and, and, and da, 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 all these people. He said, plus I'll get a brand new body. You've, you've told me that. You're telling me the truth, aren't you, John? You're not tricking me. I said, no, it's totally true. As far as I understand, you're going to get a brand new body. And I said, why is that? And he started crying. Because he'd had a stroke and he was paralyzed on his left side. He said, I'm so looking forward to hugging your kids and all my grandkids with two arms. I said, Dad, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And he cried more. And then five days later, he went to be with Jesus. We groan in our bodies and in our hearts and our minds, don't we? But we groan with hope because one great day it's all going to be changed. The other reason we groan with hope is because there's someone else that groans. Not only does creation groan and you groan, the Holy Spirit groans with you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that what good friends do when you're going through a hard time? I mean, Gary, I think it was first service you talked about that you, maybe you talked about it here too, but you listen and listen and listen. What does the Bible say? You weep with those who are weeping. And you rejoice with those who are rejoicing. The Holy Spirit comes. He cries with us. He groans with us. And he actually takes your groanings and he shapes them into prayers that are exactly on target with the will of God. Isn't that amazing? So can I say to you, keep groaning. Don't despise groaning. There are times where I don't know what to pray and I just do like my grandkids do. Uh, uh. <laughs> And God takes that and he makes it a prayer that hits the target. Now, you can pray with words too, okay? But there are times where I don't, I don't have the words. I have some groans. So creation groans. We groan. The Holy Spirit groans with us because he loves you. We're going to... We love to connect with God in worship and prayer, so if the worship uh, people can come up and get ready to lead us. And if you're on our prayer team, we'd love to have you come up, some people on each side, be available uh, for people to, you know, receive prayer from you. So I know this, so I'm going to keep asking until we get some people on this side. Uh, we appreciate some people coming over here to be available to others to pray for them. And how can we pray? Well, we can pray for all kinds of things. I'm just going to mention a few, and then I'm going to give you some tips. So, we can pray for that connection to God's people, that it can grow and deepen in our heart. But if you've had a hard time with church, I know you couldn't have a hard time with this church, but maybe another church. No, I'm teasing. We can, we have, can have hard times anywhere we are. Jesus wants to bring healing and help to you so you can really connect, Okay? And then he wants to pour his love in your heart by the Holy Spirit again. And he wants to give you hope. Romans 15, 13 says, God, may God, who is the source of all hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you hope 
And then he wants to give you so much that you overflow with hope for others. Here Here are some things you can do to put this message into practice. You could read Acts 2, the story of Pentecost. 1 Peter 2, we read part of it. You could read the whole thing. And Romans 8, an amazing passage on the Holy Spirit. And you could pray, as I already mentioned. I would encourage you every day this week, ask the Holy Spirit, would you fill me with God's love? Would you fill me with your love more? And then three, I would encourage you to make it a lifelong goal to pursue a friendship with the Holy Spirit. Your life will never be the same. You'll never regret it. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come now and make his presence real to us. And if you're able to stand, if you wouldn't mind standing, and I feel like God's going to come and touch us and do something. And one of the ways that I kind of make myself ready is I open my hands uh, just like I believe God wants to do something with me and bring something to me. Okay? So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you love to come upon our lives. Now, many of us have experienced you many different times, but we, would, we want some new experiences. We want to be filled with your love and your mercy again. Or for some of us, it might be a brand new thing, like how do I connect with the Holy Spirit I can't see? Well, you know how to connect with us, Holy Spirit. So we're just simply asking, please come upon our lives. Um, I I had this picture in the first service. I'll just share it again. I had a picture of of stuff kind of clinging on to us that we really didn't want, but we couldn't seem to break the connection to get rid of it. It was like sticking to us, you know, and you're trying to throw it off, but it won't leave. I saw the Holy Spirit like the wind coming and separating that from us and blowing it away. And so, Lord, by your Spirit, Holy Spirit, we we ask you, would you blow this away? And I would just, in your heart, just name whatever it might be. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anger. I don't know what it might, confusion, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, we ask that you blow this off of us. We ask you to refresh us strengthen us. Give us new hope today. Give us the confidence you're really at work in our lives. You're changing us. Lord, give us words of encouragement for other people this week. Wherever we go. Lord, we ask for your healing mercy wherever we need healing. So I'd invite you to just come and, and receive prayer. We've got good people on each side here that would just love to listen to you, pray with you. I can feel the Holy Spirit in the room right now. And I know he wants to encourage you and touch you. We're going to worship, and then Justin will dismiss us. Let the Holy Spirit touch you in the way that you need today. Somebody has got a problem with a hip flexor. That's the word I got. 
someone is really fighting discouragement and depression. And then I saw someone, it's like all these balls are just flying at you. I don't know if it's stuff and challenges and you just can't like deal with it. I feel like God wants to come and help you and bring a sense of peace in your life. So Lord, we ask you to do that. Bring your healing, bring your presence, bring your peace. In Jesus' name.